life always turns out like it does Even though I know we're only here for a while How come it never seems like long enough I don't know just when my time is coming That's enough to get us to smile this morning. 
that ought to be enough to excite our souls. It ought to be enough to get us excited about what God is doing to know that I'll be there. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. I don't know what I'm doing this evening. But I know I'm going to be there. I don't know what we're going to do next week. I don't even know if we're going to be here next week. If we're not, bless God, we're going to be there. And what peace and joy comes to my heart to have the security of the believer to know that I'll be there. To know I'll be there. Philemon, the book of Philemon this morning. A little small book in the New Testament. That's where the Lord has led my heart to go this morning. I want to ask you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word, the book of Philemon. And I want to begin our reading in verse 8. Philemon, verse 8. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such a one of Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in, in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sinned again, thou therefore receive him, and that is mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, Put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. I will repay it. Albeit, I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thy own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. Dear Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. Open our hearts. God, I ask you for power. I ask you for unction from above. God, what I attempt to do is not anything within my flesh. Lord, I have no desire in my flesh to get in the way of what you have planned this morning. But God, we seek you and we seek your Holy Spirit and we seek your word this morning. And we ask that your will be done in this place. God, I feel like we need a movement in this place today. I feel like, Lord, that we need your Holy Spirit to move us and to stir us in a mighty way. I'm going to step out, Lord, and I'm just going to say that I need to be revived. Lord, I need to be brought back to life. And I feel like this morning that within our church that we need to be brought back to life. I think that we need the joy of our salvation restored unto us. Lord, I believe the gloom and the doom and the busyness of life is weighted upon our shoulders. And God, we ask you to take it from us today. Remove that yoke and that burden. And God, give us freshness this morning. Refresh our souls. Feed us. God, give us what we need. And I pray when we leave this place that we would leave rejoicing. 
I pray, I pray, God, that we would leave doing what you've called us to do. Dear God, I pray that we would leave with refreshment, God, restored to do the work of God. Lord, I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to look there in, in verse 9. That's where we find our title this morning. The title of our message is Yet for Love's Sake. Yet for Love's Sake. As we read this passage this morning, and I'm going to lay out the context of where we're headed with this, but I want to remind you that everything about this letter is because of love. We find forgiveness in this letter because Paul loved a man. We find redemption in this letter because Paul loved a man. We see reconciliation in this letter because Paul loved a man. We see this letter because Paul loved a man. We see all of this taking place this morning because the Apostle Paul had love for a man. Now, when Paul was Saul, he did not have this kind of love. Saul did not become Paul until he found the love of Jesus Christ. And the love that the Apostle Paul is exemplifying here is not a love of a lost man. It's not the love of the world. But it's the love that only can be found inside a relationship with a holy and righteous God. And he said, yet for love's sake. He said, there's been wrongdoing, yet for love's sake. There's been sin committed, yet for love's sake. There's been folks and things and, and situations done that wasn't right, yet for love's sake. Whew! Isn't that beautiful? There's wrongdoing here. Never did he try to justify the wrongdoing. Never did he try to give excuse for what was, what, what was done and what was accomplished wrong against Philemon. But he said, yet for love's sake. The reality of it is, I'm a sinner. Now I deserve to go to the devil's hell. Yet, for love's sake, I've been saved. I've done wrong. I've lied. I've stretched the truth. I've stolen. I've done every sin. I've committed murder in the spiritual sense. And all of these things, yet for love's sake, I've been forgiven. I have done wrong in my life as a father, as a husband, as a pastor, yet for love's sake I've been forgiven. I've been redeemed. I am who I am because of the love of God. We're talk not talking about an ordinary love. We're talking about the agape love. We're talking about the unconditional love. The love that can look past your faults and see your need. The love that can look past somebody's background to see somebody's future. The love that can reach down when we can't reach up. The love that can see through all things. And may I tell you today, that's the kind of love that God has for us. That's the kind of love that Jesus has shown for us. I want you to hold your finger there and look in 1 Peter chapter 4. Man, what a beautiful verse here. 1 Peter chapter 4. And in verse 8, now understand the context. He's talking about Christians. But notice what he said in 1 Peter 4 and 8. He said, and above all things have fervent charity, love, have fervent love among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Boy, isn't that beautiful? We are not in this walk without the love of God forgiving the multitude of sins 
that we have been forgiven. Understand we stand here today forgiven because of the love of God able to look past what we've done to forgive a multitude or the multitude of sins. And I love how he used that definite article, the, the multitude of sins. Speaking of the particular group of sins that we have committed. Now he's speaking here in context about believers forgiving other people of their sins. And when we've entered into the love of God, we've been forgiven. And because we've been forgiven, it's good for us to forgive. Because if we don't forgive people of their sins, God will not forgive us of our sins. And understand when we enter into the love of God, we are entering into that same thing that God did for us so that we can have forgiveness and love and mercy and grace for other people. But to think that love covers a multitude of sin. Let me tell you something. I've done a lot of wrong in my life that has turned you away. But I'm going to tell you some folks that I hadn't turned away. No matter how much wrong I've done, my mama's been by my side for 35 years. And I've done a lot of wrong. But love has covered the multitude of sins. I tell you, I've done a lot of wrong, but my dad for 35 years has been by my side. Because love covers the multitude of sins. For 13 years, my wife has stood by my side because love covers a multitude of sins. And may I tell you, it's because of love's sake that we're able to forgive and that we're able to go forward, and that we're able to move on to the things that God has called us to do. Now I want us to notice, number one, that a multitude of sins are forgiven for love's sake. Now back in Philemon, we see the picture here that is drawn. Now let me lay out the context to you. The Apostle Paul is in prison writing this letter to Philemon, who is a church member at the church of Colossae. He is a, uh, a Colossian believer that is in the church. It is believed that they even met in his home at certain times. This man, Philemon, had a slave by the name of Onesimus that left slavery, snuck out one night, and took off running. Now, this man was arrested. In that day, when slaves were caught, runaway slaves were caught, they were to be put into jail, into prison. It just so happened, the world will call it uh, coincidence or convenience or luck, but by the sovereignty of God, this man was arrested and was put in jail with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was in jail for preaching Jesus Christ. He found this man, and one day he led this man to the Lord. One day, God changed this man in a prison cell. And what the Apostle Paul is doing, he already knew Philemon. He's wrote, he wrote about him uh, in the book of Colossians. In that letter, he already knew everything about it. Friend, this wasn't just coincidence. This was the sovereignty of God. And the Apostle Paul is writing this letter. Listen, I'm sending Onesimus back to you. But understand the man you're getting is not the man that left you. And for love's sake, I want you to forgive him. For love's sake, I want you to redeem him. For love's sake, I want you to look at him in a light that you've never looked at him before. And the Apostle Paul is sticking his neck out here and saying, Listen, this man did you wrong. I'm not trying to excuse it. I'm not trying to apologize. But this is what it's all about. You need to forgive him for love's sake. You need to redeem Him for love's sake. You need to accept Him back into the Beloved for love's sake. And aren't you thankful for love this morning?
Aren't you thankful for love this morning? Notice that Onesimus was in defiance of his master. I want you to look in verse 15. In verse 15, For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. The reality of it is this all started because of the defiance of Onesimus. Onesimus was in this mess because he defied his master. He defied his master Philemon. He took off one night, took everything into his own hands, and said, I'm not going to serve the master anymore. And so he defied his master. He was in disobedience to his master. And let me tell you something. The wrongdoing that was done here was because of his disobedience to what the master has told him to do. May I tell you today that it's defiance that has put us in the mess that we're in with our master today. May I tell you it's our disobedience to the scripture. It's our disobedience to the will of the master that has got us in the place that we are in times of our life. Understand that most of the messes that we make in life is not God's fault. But it's our fault because we have defied our master. This whole letter would have never been written if this man hadn't defied his master. Do you understand today that we're dying and going to hell because whether you realize it or not, you've defied the master. Because we are sinners and we come short of the glory of God. And there are times that we have defied a loving God who has done nothing but love us and sent a son for us. He has done nothing but send preachers and send people to us to minister to us and love us. And we have defied Him. We have been disobedient to Him. And understand today the wrongdoing that is in our life should not be placed upon the blame of God, but it is our fault. And the reason this man was in this mess, the reason that forgiveness needed to be received, is this man made a mess of his life because he defied the Master. And may I tell you today that every man, every woman, every child in this place has defied the Master. We have defied our God in heaven. We have all sinned. Our very best before the eyes of God is, is, is the sight of, of filthy rags. Understand that we are all at times disobedient in our life. And that defiance separates us and our Master. When you defy the Master, you cannot be in one accord with the Master. When you defy Him, you're disobeying Him. Understand that when you rebel against your master, it pushes you away from them to the point that Onesimus departed from his master's house. You know what happened when he defied the master? He took off running. He went as far away as he could. Understand that he tried so much to run away from what the master wanted him to do. I believe today that many of us are in a position that when we defy the master... We begin to depart from the Master's house. And we begin to run away from what the Master wants us to do. I believe this man's in a mess because when he got wrong, he got out and he took off running. And he ran as far as he could away from the Master so that he would not have to face the Master anymore. Let me tell you something. If you got wrongdoing with the Master, you better hand, handle your business with the Master today. Okay? If, if you need to be saved, you need to handle business with a master. If you need to rededicate your life, you need to handle business with a master. You know what happens if you don't? You're going to take off running. 
That's why this place isn't slapped full this morning because so many folks have disobeyed the Master and instead of running to Him, they run away from Him. But if this story can prove anything to us to know that God is not going to leave us alone, and by the sovereignty of God, He's going to get our attention. It's not just coincidence that He landed in prison with Paul. This was the hand of God. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God didn't leave Onesimus alone. Even though Onesimus made a mistake, even though Onesimus said, I don't want it, God said, I still want you. Onesimus said, I don't want nothing to do with all that stuff. And, Onesimus, and God said, I want everything to do with you. Isn't it a beautiful thing to think that even though we run away from God, God is running towards us to pursue us. Every time that we disobey Him and we take off running, God will leave 99 sheep to go get one. I don't know about y'all, but I'm thankful for that this morning. The times that I've run away from God, got out of my relationship with God, and God wouldn't leave me alone. And I ran and I ran and I ran as Onesimus ran and ran and ran. And let me tell you something, you cannot outrun God. <laughs> I tried it and you cannot do it. I tried it for years. You cannot outrun God. He's going to catch up with you. I'm going to say that again. He's going to catch up with you. You say, well, I'm just going to take off. Let me tell you something. This is His, folks. He can go wherever He wants to. He can, do, he can do whatever He wants to do with His children. Amen? And it blows my mind that God would love me enough. Now, we got probably 250, maybe a little more than that here. But let's just say there's 300. If three of you messed up to think that God would leave the rest of us to go pursue those other three. Number one, that shows me how much He cares about me. Shows me he's concerned about me. And it shows me that he loves me. That he would leave 99 to go get one. This man departed, but God found him. God searched him out. God used the Apostle Paul. But not only did Onesimus depart, but Onesimus owed his master a debt. I want you to look down there in verse 18. It said, If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee all, put that on my account. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thy own self besides. Now this Paul never excused the wrongdoing of Onesimus. And he never said look past what he did. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He owed you a debt. Because when he was gone, he had paid for this slave. And in the absence of this slave, there was an amount that was owed to fill in for the lack of work of this slave. And the Apostle Paul said, when he gets back and he returns and you receive him, all that debt that he owes you, you put it on my account. Because the reality of it is, when there's disobedience, there's going to be departure. And when there's disobedient departure, there's a debt to pay. Where there is wrongdoing, the debt and to get right needs to be handled. And Paul said, I'm not asking you to look past everything that he's done. I'm telling you, I'll pay the debt he owes. I'm not asking you to look past all the wrongdoing, but I'm asking you to forgive it on my account. Now let me tell you something. The picture here is the Apostle Paul is playing the part or the role of Jesus Christ. Onesimus is us. Philemon is God. 
Paul is playing the intercessory part between Onesimus and Philemon. And he says, listen, I know he's wrong, but for my sake, I want you to receive him back. I know that he has done wrong, but on my account, you put it on my account and I will repay. Let me tell you something. We've been disobedient. We have departed from the master's house. But Jesus told the father, he said, I'll pay their debt. You put it on my account. They've done wrong. Jesus told God, he said, listen, Josh Llewellyn is a filthy sinner. I know. I'm not asking you to look past it. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm asking you to do this. Put it on my account. There is a debt to be owed. There's a debt to be paid on Josh's side. And I'm going to do it on his behalf. When you look at Josh, you look at Josh through me. When Philemon was to receive this man Onesimus, he wasn't just to receive him because of Onesimus. He was to do it on the sake of the Apostle Paul. And he said, you receive this man just like you receive me. There was a day in glory that Jesus said, God the Father, I want you to receive Josh as you receive me. I want you to accept him as you accept me. I want you to know today that I have been disobedient. I have departed. But bless God, the debt's been paid in full. I want you to know the price has been paid. And understand that I have wrongdoing in the eyes of the Master. But Jesus paid it all. I'm going to say that again. Maybe you'll amen this time. Jesus paid it all. And there's been wrongdoing and there's been sin and I've messed up. But Jesus said, I'm not asking your father to look past it. I'm asking you to forgive him on my account by what I'm doing. And the debt that was paid on your behalf was not just a 40-hour-a-week job. It was a life given at Calvary. Understand the debt that was paid for you. It may be free to us, but it cost God everything. Understand for you to look, the Father, the Master in the eyes today was at the, the lost of His only begotten Son. That Jesus came to the cross. He died. He was buried. And He rose again the third day. Let me tell you, it's free to you, but but it costs God everything. And when you come to God, you come in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You don't come in your own. You say, preacher, I've done enough. I've been good enough. Man, I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. God will never forgive you on, on what you've done. But He will forgive you for what Jesus has done on your behalf. And that's what the Apostle Paul said. Please forgive Him on my behalf. Now notice number two, a life is transformed. In verse 10, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. This man was a slave. This man belonged to Philemon. In the eyes of society, he was a nobody. But the father, the leader of the Christian faith, the Apostle Paul, said, this man's been born again. This man that entered this jail cell that was a a slave and a prisoner, he's been born again. And he's not just an ordinary slave, but he's my son. He's been born again into a new family. Y'all going to get that in a minute. Y'all going to amen real good in a second. It's going to catch on. I got a nobody, but now he's becoming a somebody. He was somebody that belonged to somebody, but now he belongs to God. 
This man came to the jailhouse with all his wrongdoing. And that day he found Jesus and made him his personal Savior. And he said, let me tell you something, uh, Philemon, understand the man that you're getting is a changed man. He was saved. He was born again. His sins were forgiven. He became a new creature. I don't know about y'all, but I'm thankful for the day God saved my soul. And I'm saved for love's sake. Say, preacher, how'd you get saved? Because He loved me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Hey, He loved us. Whereby He saves us. For love's sake. This man was born again. He was made a new creature. And by the way, God's still saving souls. Let me say that again. By the way, God's still saving souls. He can still save souls in this place this morning. If you're here and you've never been saved, understand that everything can change for you just like it changed for Onesimus in that jail cell. He'll save your soul. He'll forgive you of your sins. And He'll make you a new person. You know what I love? He said, you know, there was a time in that next verse that He wasn't a prophet for you. But now that you're getting Him, being that He's changed, He's going to be a prophet for you. He used to be a nobody, but now He's a somebody. You say, how is that for love's sake? This man was condemned, but He was forgiven for love's sake. This man was no good, but He became righteousness for love's sake. Understand this person was of no profit for the world, for God, or for the kingdom of God. But for love's sake, God saved him and God changed him. God changed him. Understand that when God got done, he, was, he wasn't good for nobody. But by the time God got done with him, he was good and profitable for the kingdom of God. He used to be of no account, no good for society. But now God saved him, God's changed him. And he said, now you can use him in a mighty way. Isn't that awesome? Why? For love's sake. For love's sake. Because God looked past my faults and He saw my need. He saved me and He changed me. Isn't God good? Preacher, why aren't you the man you used to be for love's sake? Preacher, why are you doing what you're doing for love's sake? Because God had the kind of love that could look past a multitude of sins. But to forgive me and to redeem me and to bring me through that and to be where I am today for love's sake. Now folks, there's going to be times that I'm going to make you mad. And for love's sake, you're going to have to forgive me. I'm going to have to forgive y'all whether I want to or not. <laughs> God told me to. Because we love one another. And we're a family here. And we're the family of God gathered here at Promised Land Missionary Baptist Church to carry out what God called us to do. And there's not one person in this place that's perfect. But we serve a God who is perfect. And the CEO of this church and the head of this church is a perfect master. And we're looking to the master. And we're asking Him to look past our faults and to see our needs. And we're asking Him for forgiveness. We're asking Him for redemption. And we're asking Him to do something for us that we can't do for ourselves. This week I went to a revival. 
One of my best friends in the ministry was preaching down at Bethel Baptist Church. They were going Sunday night through Wednesday night. Started having church. They said, let's go to Thursday. Kept having church. Let's go to Friday. Got to see a 70-something-year-old man find Jesus and get saved. Man, that ought to excite y'all folks. I got to see a 70-year-old man get saved. Seen a 45-year-old man surrender to preach. Seen a 15-year-old boy surrender to preach. Seen a 35-year-old man find Jesus that the whole church had been praying for. Me and Brother Bobby went down there. Brother Bobby, it was awesome. And you know what I thought while we were sitting there watching all this? I've lost sight of what's important. I've gotten on my high horse so much. And sometimes I've become so self-righteous in how I think people ought to be and act and do. But we went down there to that church and we seen a seven-year-old man meet Jesus. We saw a 35-year-old man meet Jesus. And God said, it's time for you to get your priorities in order. And as I was sitting there in that service, I just thought, you sorry preacher. You have lost focus. You have lost focus. This whole thing in my kingdom is about me saving a soul. This whole thing called church is about reaching to the lost and dying world. This whole thing about the kingdom of God is about me transforming you into a Paul to go out and find some Onesimus to forgive them and love them in spite of who they are. And that day and that night that I was sitting there in that revival, man, I just began to weep and cry. We had an hour-long invitation. Man, half of you would have got up and took off. Preacher said, if it's too long for y'all, y'all go to the house. I said, I ain't going nowhere. I want to be right in the middle of every bit of it. I wonder how many of y'all want to. We ought to want to be right in the middle of it. And that night, God got my attention. He said, Josh, you need to get your eyes on what's important. You need to get focused. Then He brought me to Onesimus and Paul. And I was reminded of how God transformed me but how God can use me like He used Paul. God can use you. Church, we need to get on our knees. We need to get on our knees and we need to beg for revival. We need to get on our knees and we need to ask for the wisdom of God for our church. We've got major decisions to make in our church and we need the will of God. We need the power of God. We need the leadership of God. We need the peace of God in this. And it's going to be found at the altar this morning. I've prayed all week long. Man, it's been a rough week. I went out to that church the other night. I told Brother Tim Post, the pastor, I said, Brother Tim Post, this has been the longest week in my ministry at Promised Land. He just cried with me. And he said, Brother, I love you. Keep on going. Told Brother Reuben, I said, Brother Reuben, thank you. I needed every sermon. He said, Keep on going. Keep on going. Church, I'm telling you, let's keep on going. And for love's sake, let's keep on going. And for love's sake, let's stay unified. 
And for love's sake, let's go win lost souls to Jesus Christ. For love's sake, let's hang in there and let's keep on going. You imagine how many times in that prison cell Paul got tired and wore down. But he never forgot who he was and what he was put here to do. Church, we got a job to do. It's simple and it's plain. Now we got to go do it. How are we going to do it? By the power of God. For love's sake. By grace and mercy. How I have prayed every day, God, revive us. God, revive me. I'm sick of ordinary. I'm sick of the norm. I'm so sick of routine. So sick of religion. And folks, I think God is too. I'm sick of the world. I'm sick of confusion. I'm sick of backbiting. I'm sick of turmoil. And I believe God is too. Oh, that we would be appalled this morning to be able to love somebody <clears throat> through all the wrongdoings. Church, we need revival. If you need to come to this altar, I want you to come. If you're here this morning you've never been saved, you need to come be saved. You need to join this church, I want you to do it this morning.